Jim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. Colorado sports leader, the team. Jim and Kate from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And text or call us today, 970-242-1340. Predictions on Broncos taking on the Patriots. Sunday night football on the team pregame at 4 on Christmas Eve. Kickoff at 6.15. We've, we've ramped back up the conversation about is Die Hard a Christmas movie because of Die Hard himself. He's the guy that is always brings this up this time of the year. And uh, for our, our good friend, Die Hard, he's uh, it's not, <laughs> he is not going to, he's not going down. It's not. He's taken haymaker after haymaker from Connor McGahee, Brian Roth, Mark, Mark Johnson with more of a, a gentle jab or two. Cause he said he agreed at one point that Die Hard was a Christmas movie. And it's said after Bruce Willis, said that it wasn't he is in that camp now for Die Hard off the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line and I need to set the, the scene here with this I probably should play the other song from Die Hard the uh, Ode to Joy but but we'll, we'll bring you the Die Hard theme song <laughs> for Die Hard it's not a very memorable theme song really that classic late 80s action movie, slow build-up, swell. This is from Die Hard. <laughs> I don't need validation from the sports broadcasting community that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, as it's been well established by the art community as a Christmas movie, <laughs> and they are the deciding authority. So not Bruce Willis. Not even Die Hard, not even John McClane himself. Not even John McClane? Here's here's what I... Well, tell you what, I forgot the Die Hard theme. That is about as most the most forgettable theme I think I've ever heard for a movie. It's very <laughs> generic. No, it's very generic. I will say this. So, I'm in the camp, and I'm gl- I'll preface this by saying I'm glad we have this partition here uh, for, you know, my safety. Uh, you're, you're okay. You're I'm in right. the camp that says... If you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then live your life, you know, put your pineapple on your pizza, do what you want. And you know what? Maybe for a time, I would have been naive to think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. The problem is, if you're going to make a quote-unquote Christmas movie, or if the intention is to make a Christmas movie and the okay. subsequent sequels, you know, like Die Hard 2, no one's saying anything after the first Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's like Die Hard 2 or Die Hard of the Vengeance or any of the other... Die Harder or whatever. Right. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. No one's saying those are Christmas movies 
in the same way that the original is. And that kind of, you know, that doesn't... Well, isn't the one with Sam Jackson set around like 4th of July, that period of time? Um, I think it's in the summertime. See. I don't know if it's exactly 4th of July, but it's it's in the summer. I think the one with Justin Long, Timothy Oliphant, was like summertime. The second one was in the wintertime. I don't know if, I remember if it was Christmas specifically or not. But they got, they got away from the whole winter-themed diehards. The one where he's with his son. I think they're like in Russia or whatever. I, think, I don't remember what time of the year that was. But yeah, after the first one, they, they pretty much walked from the whole... I don't think the intention was ever that it was going to be a Christmas movie, okay? Let's, I don't think it was either. Let's, I, let's just be honest about that. I mean, Kenny with his basic instinct as a Christmas movie take that he has today. I think very tongue-in-cheek on that, by the way, from Kenny. Oh. Okay. We got the, a re- the response here's, here's, one more, here's one more from Die Hard today. We have to move on to around the NFL. This is from Die Hard. It's the equivalent of somebody who doesn't routinely watch sports deciding that a game <laughs> that is well-played defensive battle is a bad game because it doesn't have a bunch of touchdowns. I understand that sometimes people don't understand the nuances of a film then make it a good Christmas movie. That is okay. You can't always make someone recognize something if they are incapable of seeing. Well. Well, Roger Ebert. To be fair. To be fair. This. He's, he's diehard. He is a die. He is diehard. The literal sense of the word. He will not give in. And he will he, not give up. And he officiates sports so he knows the letters of the law and understands you know takes a very analytical approach that he does so we'll we'll leave it at that he makes he makes a very compelling case he always does point where i was like okay fine it's christmas movie i i'm a little bit like you i'm like live and let live if you think it is great if you don't i'm okay with that too i'm not i'm not gonna die on that hill but that guy, Die Hard, will. He will die on that hill. <laughs> and he will go down to his final Is words. it a hill or is it a top of the building? <laughs> It'll be the top of the Nakatomi Tower. Or plaza or whatever. And his final words will be, Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. It's 8.06. It's time for Around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, a uh, buku sound from yesterday from uh, the Broncos after practice presser. Start out with um, Russ talking about the Sean Payton blow up. Let's not forget what happened Saturday night. Denver gets down in the red zone. You got to try to cut it to a couple of scores, trailing the Lions. Looks like Javante Williams maybe scores, doesn't. Jaleel, Jaleel McLaughlin looks like he might score. Maybe he did, didn't. So Denver's forced to kick a field goal. That leads to Russ walking the sideline and Sean Payton screaming at him. Like, like a teenager just wrecked dad's new vet. Just, Not good. Just screaming at him. Here's Russ who was asked about the Sean Payton blow up. I don't really try to pay attention to it, to be honest with you. I, I was there. Um, I think, I think, um, <laughs> that's a good I think we response. both wanted to score a touchdown there. I think that's what that's, you know, we all, all wanted to score. We, um, you know, we wanted to make it, 
you know, the thing about, you know, that is, you know, a score, a score is 21 nothing come out of the half. We did a great job coming down the field. Boom, touchdown, 21-7. We believe, you know, knowing us and coming back and all the comebacks we've had is we're going to win this game, you know. And uh, unfortunately, they go down and they score 28-7. Okay, we come back down again. Boom, go all the way down. Um, you know, we get the ball, you know, across, we think, and, and vice versa, it doesn't work out, whatever it is, and even get a fourth and one, we get it in there, and then they call it, you know, so – you know, that, that is just an unfortunate situation because we believe it's going to make it 28-14. So that, that's really where, where, where all the, all the uh, frustration was is that we didn't, you know, get to make it 28-14 there in that situation. I love that response. I don't know. I was there. I, I was there. I know what's I, going on. I think, I think Sean Payton owes Russell Wilson like an edible arrangement or something for that response. Maybe he did. I don't know. Because it does, it does two things. Number one, it takes the heat off of Sean Payton. And number two, it kind of ends it, right? It kind of like, you know, puts the the kibosh on this whole thing. And if, you know, if Denver goes out and wins against New England, then it steers the conversation away from how bad they were against the Lions to here they are at hopefully eight and seven with two games left against AFC West opponents and a chance to really, truly hopefully get into the playoffs. So good response. Russ has always been, you know, I think media savvy. Well, what's he, he going to say? Yeah, that guy shouldn't have been saying that to me because that's not that's not Russell Wilson. No. Yeah, I'm not going to put up that guy screaming at me like that. No, no. He's not going to call him out. He's not. Russ is not going to do that. Most guys are not going to do that. I, I don't you know. I, you have to ask the question. I don't blame them for asking it. I would have asked it. You have to. You're obligated to ask the question. I'm just not surprised at the response by Russ, which was, yep, I was on the receiving end of that. <laughs> I, I was I, there. I was, I knew exactly what was going on. All right. So for the Broncos, um, they, they score off against a New England defense, which is eighth in total defense right now. Keep that in mind. This is a really good defensive unit for Bill Belichick, which, of course, that's part of his legacy of orchestrating incredible defenses. Here's Russ on facing that Pats D on Sunday night. Well, obviously, Coach Belichick's uh, one of the best of all time, obviously. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll have those guys prepared, and um, you know, they'll, they'll do different things. Obviously, they, they do a really good job. They're really well coached, really sharp. Um, we're going to have to trust, trust our eyes, trust what we see, um, the run game, the pass game, all that stuff, and uh, – just play clean football. I mean, we've got a lot of guys that can make a lot of plays, and um, we're excited to get after it and play at home. All right, there's Russell Wilson uh, from the presser yesterday. So Sean Payton, which not because he he has not really commented much on what what happened with Russ, and they so it's time to move on and and all those kind of things. But the thing he talked about with New England, because that's the focus now. It's 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 on to New England for the Broncos. Is that the past defense I referenced eighth? In total defense right now, and you look at three and eleven, you go, "Well, geez, they they suck. They're three and eleven. Do you realize that the Patriots right now they have seven one score games that they've lost? Seven. Yes. Now that right there is a screaming testament to just how bad their offense is this year. Because let's let's go through it very quickly. Opener against Philadelphia. They lost 25 to 20. They lost to Miami, one of the hottest teams in the league. Along with Philadelphia, 24 to 17. 
they got a five-point win against the Jets, got crushed by Dallas, got crushed by the Saints, lost to the Raiders 21-17, won a 29-25 game against Buffalo, got handled the second time by Miami 31-17, lost to Washington 20-17, lost to the Colts 10-6, lost to the Giants 10-7, lost to the Chargers 6-0, Won a 21-18 game against Pittsburgh. Ended up losing 27-17 to the Chiefs, so they played the Chiefs pretty tough for a good chunk of that game. So it's a Patriots team that could be much, much better than 3-11 right now. And uh, Sean Payton talking about uh, Belichick and once again on that defense. Can Denver's offense find a way to score points on New England? Seven, eight of these one-score games just go down the schedule. Um, and... You just have to look at the tape. You know, they're, they're near the top of the league in every category defensively. The first in the league in rushing defense, red zone defense, third down. I mean, all those stats, that they, they make it difficult for big plays. You know, they stay on top. I think they're near one or two in big plays given up. Um, so they've been in a lot of close games. All right, that's Sean Payton, Broncos coach. Jim and Cake today, we're going around the NFL, looking back at uh, yesterday's presser. With the Broncos, they take on the Patriots Sunday here on the team. Flip it over to, on the defensive side of the football, Justin Simmons on facing the Pats and their struggling offense. I mean, Detroit, they they have a heck of an offense, and we knew that going into it. Um, and it was a huge challenge for us and just one we didn't meet. Uh, we didn't play nearly as as well as we needed to, and we didn't execute well enough. And um, obviously, you know, the takeaways weren't there. And so we need to do, uh, you know, a lot better job this week uh, especially coming back at home and, um, you know, protecting home turf. And this is going to be a big game for us, obviously a big AFC game. So um, really looking forward to this one. All right, that's Justin Simmons on facing the Patriots. And so Kareem Jackson comes off the four-game suspension. He could play Sunday. He could start Sunday. Sean Payton was kind of wishy-washy, wishy-washy on whether – K-Jack is going to replace uh, P.J. Locke uh, along Justin Simmons at the safety spot. But uh, here's Justin Simmons on having Kareem Jackson back at practice. Great. Uh, having him back in the building and, um, you know, having him around and had the chance to catch up with him a little bit, lifted earlier this morning. So I talked about it. it was at my community um, event the other night and talked about how big of an impact he has on us in, in, a, in terms of leadership in the locker room. So really excited to have him back. With not, him not being able to be in the building when he's suspended, what was your communication with him like during that time? Yeah, no, obviously it was limited, but, uh, you know, just things that I would normally talk to him about, bouncing things and ideas in terms of whatever we were thinking about doing and you know how to help lead the guys in the room from, you know, different perspectives because obviously we have different leadership styles. And so, but honestly, a lot of that too was just, I like that's one of my closest friends. So a lot of it was family stuff. All right. So uh, there's Justin Simmons. Glad to have the veteran Kareem Jackson back with the Broncos after the suspension. Flip it over to the uh, offensive side again with Cortland Sutton, who you're expecting the Patriots to do what what the Lions did and Aaron Glenn did. to really try to take him away. He has been Russ's best threat in the pass game. There's Cortland Sutton on facing Belichick's defense. You can look at it as a respect thing, you know, especially a defensive-minded coach that has had as much success as he's had in this in this league. Look at it, I, mean, I guess you could say it's a, it's a respect thing, but one and two are trying to be as prepared as possible so that, you know, whenever the opportunities do arise and we do find the looks that we like, ready. All right, that's Cortland Sutton. 
Once again, while the Broncos hosting the New England Patriots Sunday on the Team Sports Network with a pregame at 4 kickoff at 6.15 with Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Susie Wurgeon from Empower Field a Mile High. Quickly go through some playoff clinching scenarios heading into the weekend. So uh, Baltimore, they've clinched a playoff berth. So they have that, that big one with San Francisco coming up on Christmas Day, which it's going to be Christmas evening. It's going to be a great game. Oh, yeah. Oh, two, ba- two best teams in the league going at it uh, coming up on, on Christmas Day. That's a, a heck of a present for all of us football fans. So Baltimore clinches. They already clinched a playoff spot 11-3, and three, and they can clinch the division title, the North, with a Baltimore win or a Cleveland loss or a tie or Baltimore tie and Cleveland loss. So those are the scenarios for Baltimore. So they're already in the playoffs. Cleveland has not clinched. They, they can clinch a playoff spot with eight different scenarios, which, including, which includes a Denver loss or a tie. So Cleveland has eight different scenarios where they can clinch. Kansas City can clinch both a playoff spot and the AFC West with a KC win or KC tie and Denver loss. So Denver needs to keep the heat on. Of course, help their own chances first of making the playoffs, but right. also still have a shot at winning the division title uh, with a win against the Patriots on Sunday. Dolphins clinch at the AFC West division title with a win or a Buffalo loss or a tie or Miami ties or a Buffalo loss. So those are the scenarios there. They clinch a playoff berth with six different playoff or with six different scenarios for Miami. In the NFC, San Francisco, they've already won the NFC West title. They really have nothing to play for Monday except maintaining the number one seed in the NFC, which they pretty much already have that anyway. Dallas has already clinched a playoff spot. The Eagles have already clinched a playoff spot. Detroit clinches the NFC North title with a Detroit win or tie. They clinch a playoff berth with the Rams loss or tie or Seattle's loss or tie. Niners, they've clinched the NFC's number one seed. The uh, the first you know the first round by home field advantage, and they get that they should, should they get those. Pardon me with a with a win and a Philadelphia loss or a Dallas along with a Dallas loss or Detroit loss. So they clinch the number one seed with those things happening. Once again, a San Francisco win plus a Philadelphia loss, a Dallas loss, and a Detroit loss. They clinch the number one seed in the NFC. All right, 818, and tonight it's Thursday Night Football on the Team Sports Network. You have the uh, New Orleans Saints heading to SoFi to take on the Los Angeles Rams tonight. Rams, look, the story's part of it's been Puka Nakoa. Yeah. The wide receiver, the, the rookie out of uh, BYU, 87 catches over 1,163 yards and four touchdowns. He has been a big addition to Matthew Stafford's arsenal with Cooper Cup being kind of nicked up this season. Kyron Williams has been kind of a surprise, certainly, in that backfield. 153 yards. He's fourth in the league and rushing right now for the, the Los Angeles Rams, for the Saints. Derek Carr, coming off probably his best game as a New Orleans Saint. 218 yards, three touchdowns, and the win against the Giants. Uh, their defense continues to play well. They made uh, Tommy DeVito, who, uh, have you heard the whole thing about the uh, the, the pizza uh, restaurant appearance that they tried to, they tried to uh, jack up the rate for him to go appear at the pizza, pizza restaurant? So the restaurant said, <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to have you here, Tommy DeVito. And then we saw why, uh, well, kind of came crashing back to earth, shall we say. A little bit. Uh, with his performance last week. But uh, the Saints uh, coming off one of their better performances 
We'll have that tonight. New Orleans at the LA Rams pregame at 530 on the Team Sports Network. Something to keep in mind for uh, all of you uh, potential uh, betters. First of all, uh, you know, be smart. Don't be stupid about your uh, your betting. Derek Carr, as a Raider, 0-3 against the Rams. No touchdowns, seven interceptions. Keep that in mind tonight. Once again, don't bet more than you can afford to bet. one 800 Glad you've committed that to memory. <laughs> All right. Um, it's 8-20, and it's time to play the Piles' favorite game on a Thursday, which is... And for who is it today, and this is actually our uh, last contest of 2023. So congratulations in advance to whoever gets this prize of a delicious case of New Belgium beer, some fat tire from High Country Beverage. You must be over the age of 21, and if you've won within the last two weeks, please sit it out. And if you don't want the prize, don't play. Otherwise, text in with the correct answer at 970-242-1340. Winner gets a case of beer today. For who is it? I am a former NBA player who had two stints with the Denver Nuggets. I won a championship despite getting suspended for game six of the conference finals. I was profiled by MTV's Catfished after being the victim of a catfishing scandal. I'm probably more famous for how I looked than how I played in the NBA. Who is it? All right, if you won the last two weeks, please don't play. If you're not 21 or older, don't play because it's a case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. So uh, there you go. Those are the parameters. And plus, you're in for the uh, December never-ending contest to win the earrings from Mesa Jewelers. Get information at theteam1340.com. Text your answer in now. Text only. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. We have Ammon from uh, Fruit of Parks and Rec. Good morning, Ammon. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. How's it going? It's, it's going well. So a uh, little bit of a slower period for Fruit of Parks and Rec. But what do you guys... Uh, what, I know you have... Uh, Sweetheart Run coming up in February. Uh, give us some details about some of the things that are going on with Fruto Parks and Rec. Yeah, so February 10th, we do have the Sweetheart Run. And it is a time run, so if you want to take it seriously, you can. Um, but we are encouraging people to dress up and get kind of weird and bring costume. Um, just bring your just have a good down. time. Yeah. yeah, just have a good time and just uh, run around town and, you know, have fun. So, so when does the registration start for that? You said it's on the on February 10th, but when do you plan on starting registration? Yeah, registration should open up in the next week or two, so just keep it on your calendar. Um, we're going to have it on our social media, um, so it should be easy to find for you. All right, very good. So what anything holiday-wise going on? I know you guys have already had some things going on uh, holiday-wise at Fruit of Parks and Rec, but anything else that's going on right now? Um, mostly we just have our activity guide dropping tomorrow. So this is our spring and winter activity guide. And it's going to have everything from programs to like swim lessons, to athletics, special events. Um, and that's going to be also on our Facebook page and Instagram page tomorrow. So if you have any questions about fruit of parks and recreation, um, go there tomorrow and download it and all your answers will be there. And I imagine you go to, to the site to get, uh, times during, during the holidays here for, for the recreation center as well, for people that want to go shoot some hoops or, or uh, do a little swimming. Yeah, so our, our hours are going to be the same. Um, we're just going to be closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So Otherwise, great uh, great time to uh, to maybe go to the, the pool during uh, this holiday period or uh, get to go and shoot some hoops, like I said, over at uh, uh, the Recreation Center out in Fruta. So once again, Ammon, if they, they want to get information, the, 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 the winter and spring guide as well, where can they get that? Um, on fruta.org slash 
uh, sorry, bruta.org slash parksrec and um, our Instagram page and Facebook page. All right. So. Ammon, Merry Christmas to you and, and Mark and, and the folks at uh, Fruita Parks and Rec. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, uh, Ammon from Fruita Parks and Rec. We will take a break. We'll come back with our uh, Broncos report with Cody Work brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. He's the host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast, covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports. Cody Rourke is our Broncos insider. Good morning and Merry Christmas, Cody. Yes, Jim, good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, doing well. And uh, before we get into the Broncos and Patriots and Russ and Sean Payton and the screaming match and everything, well, the one-sided wasn't really a match. It was Sean Payton screaming at, at Russ. But uh, do you have a, is there a Christmas movie that you absolutely have to watch this time of the year? Is there some little Ooh, holiday tradition like that yes. that Cody Rourke has to, has to, it has to be part of your holiday itinerary? Yeah, I've got two movies that I absolutely have to watch or else it doesn't feel like Christmas. One of them is The Best Man Holiday. The second one is a classic here. And it's, trust me, I'm not going to say Die Hard. It's Jingle All the Way with Arnold. That is my childhood go to for nostalgia. Those would be the two movies I use. What, what are yours? Oh, see, I, I love Christmas Carol. The It's like from the 1940s. There's this guy, Alistair Pym or Sims, that we always like to watch it. I love a, a, a Muppets Christmas Carol with Michael Caine. Okay. It's always great. I mean, Christmas stories, you know, we, I, I kind of got out of watching that every year. I love Christmas story. Probably Christmas story, because you have to be careful. You might shoot your eye out. Uh, Christmas story is probably my, my favorite one of the bunch. I do like Elf an awful lot, though, too. So those are some yeah. of mine. Yeah, I, those aren't bad. Those are good ones. Yeah, not, not too bad at all. Well, hopefully for Broncos fans... We'll get a win against the Patriots uh, under the tree on, on Christmas morning. Uh, Russ was asked about the exchange with Sean Payton last Saturday in Detroit where the Broncos had to kick a field goal after they failed to score a touchdown. Sean Payton was seen on, on TV screaming at Russ. And I liked Russ's reaction. It was like, yeah, I was, I was there. I, I, know, I know what was going on. I, I just loved his reaction, and that's like, what do people expect him to say? I, sometimes, yeah. people, sometimes people get mad. Probably wasn't the best look on the part of Sean Payton, but sometimes you've coached, you played, emotions oh, yeah. run high, you, you, you fail to get the job done, and sometimes somebody loses their mind, and Sean Payton lost, lost his mind at that moment and got, had to yell at somebody, and Russ was that, that somebody to yell at. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're spot on there. As a player, I've had my, my butt reamed several times. I've been chewed out. Um, and even just, even as a coach, like I've had moments where, you know, I, you know, I've, I've chewed out one of my players. And obviously not like, you know, like, as you mentioned, it's an emotional game. There's a wide variety of things that go on. It happens. But, you know, I think the idea is that you talk about it, you move forward from it. I mean, these guys, this happened. This is the NFL. And, and I think people are, are shocked. Like this happens more often than people think at the NFL level. You see it between players and position coaches. You see it between players and players doing this on the sideline. You also see this between head coaches and players at times. Heck, I think you see Sean Payton do this with his coaches. So, it's, you know, it's, at least he's consistent, right? And I would say that's probably the one thing we have to, you know, really look into. Not really a big deal at all. Um, you know, these guys, they're, they're ultra competitive and they're trying to win football games. They're trying to make it to the postseason. So I, I think water under the bridge for these guys and, uh, you know, they're focused on New England. 
Kareem Jackson back at practice. Sean Payton was uh, very noncommittal on whether or not Kareem Jackson will be activated. Uh, if you get to start, if you replace P.J. Locke alongside Justin Simmons, what's your take, what's your vibe on what might happen with K-Jack? Uh, yeah, this is a great question. To be honest with you, not sure yet because really Aiden was kind of ambiguous about what the plan was with Kareem yesterday when we talked to him and didn't really commit to him being activated this week. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, he practices all week but isn't activated to the 53-man roster. Um, P.J. Locke has played really well, so how do you – I mean, what do you do in a situation like that? You know, for Kareem, it's unfortunate he's been out for four weeks and hasn't been in the mix, hasn't been able to be in meetings, hasn't been able to get the calls. So, I mean, I don't see the Broncos. I don't see Peyton upending P.J. Locke to, to reinsert Kareem. But I'm trying to figure out here as well, like as a coach, like, hey, this could be Kareem's last year. So how – and he, he can still play. So how do you find a way to get him on the field? Is it at safety? Is it, you know, maybe coming down to the box? I, I have no idea, to be honest with you, Jim, what the plan is going to be. But – um, you know, I know for those guys in that locker room, I know for Justin, I talked to Justin at one of his charity events this past Monday, and he's excited to get Kareem back. Like, Kareem has been so good to those guys in that defensive back room, and not only just the safeties, the corners, the young guys, the vets. I mean, that, that locker room, they love Kareem. Kareem has been such a tremendous asset for them, and, and they're glad to have him back in the mix. I just, from the business side of it, I don't know what Sean Payton's plan is going to be to get him on the field. So say they do activate him. What does that look like in terms of the 53-man roster and, and the massaging of that? Yeah, so at that point, they're going to have to make a corresponding roster move. They're going to have to release somebody, or if somebody's injured, place them on injured reserve, and that will free up, obviously, a roster spot. Um, you know, to me right now, I'm just trying to figure out where would that be? Would that be, you know, one of the offensive tackles that they have? You know, they do have Alex Palczewski. Um, they, I mean, he just was designated to return from injured reserve yesterday, so his 21-day window is officially open. I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. And Nick Benito is more so day-to-day. I was thinking in my head, well, if they're going to do something, okay, maybe if Nick Benito goes on IR, okay, there's, there opens up a spot right there on the 53. Uh, more than likely, you could see the release of a wide receiver, and you could see maybe the release of a linebacker. Um, you know, Ben Neiman's on the roster. That's a name to keep an eye on, and they think he would be able to clear waivers potentially, and then they could bring Kareem up and then sign him to the practice squad. It, it's crazy, Jim. I don't know. I, I'm so glad I don't have the job of having to do the roster shuffling that these guys have to do. But, um, yeah, somebody would have to be released or placed on injured reserve in order to clear a spot on the 53 for Kareem to come back. And Peyton did indicate there is a chance that Nick Benito might play Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Which is yep, he, he called him day-to-day questionable. He's got an MCL injury, which I'm, you know, for it, it's weird because Peyton's like, we'll never tell you, but we'll never talk about injuries. But he tells us exactly what the injury is now. Uh, it's, you know, it's weird there, though. But, um, you know, had a chance to talk to Nick yesterday, see him briefly. I just asked him how he's doing. He says he's doing good. He, you know, he's, he's getting, you know, he's getting there. So I think that's a good sign here for him. At least if he's not playing this week, I do think we will see him again this season. Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider, host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast, also covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports. Check out his work at milehighsports.com. The Patriots are 3-11. and It's a little bit of a deceptive 3-11, and though, because they have seven games, Cody. They've lost by one score. Their offense is terrible. has been talked about. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. They've, it's been musical chairs at the quarterback position. But when you look at their defense, It's a really good defensive unit. Eighth in total defense, second against the run. They're 16th against the pass. They have the 16th best scoring defense. Uh, Devaya for them has led the way with 90 tackles this year. Uh, Juwan Bentley's got 89 tackles. 
Bill Belichick, who's known for his mastery on the defensive side of the football, has his unit playing really well. And it's like I said, if that offense was just a little bit better, we'd probably be talking about the Patriots in the playoff conversation right now. Yeah, I mean, it's very weird. And look, as I said this week, you know, I was on I was on TV last night talking about this as well. The Patriots have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain here. I mean, obviously, they don't care about draft positioning. That's never really been a big focal point for them. But these guys and these players inside the New England locker room, they love Bill Belichick. Now, Bill's come under a lot of fire and a lot of scrutiny this year. They, hey, they may move on from him after the season. And players on the Patriots have been vocal about, we see it. We hear everything about it, and we don't like that. And they, they're going to go out there, and they're going to fight and fall for Bill Belichick. Obviously one of the most well-respected coaches in NFL history. Very good at what he does. It's never easy. There's always an approach there that you have to be you know, a certain amount of tough mentally, physically, and emotionally to be able to handle the Patriot way. And Bill and them, they can play spoils. Now, I think everyone in Broncos country is hoping they can play spoils a little bit to the Chiefs, but with their loss, with Denver's loss to the Lions, it didn't really matter what uh, the Patriots did against the Chiefs in that game. But, you know, at this point, the Broncos, they have to win out in order to have a chance at the postseason. And the Patriots can come in and say, you know what, we're going to play spoils to your hopes here in the postseason. If there's anybody I'd be a little more worried about, it's a Bill Belichick-led team. that, Even though they're 3-11, and they're, you know, their defense, as you mentioned, Jim, is super good. They're very good against the run. The Broncos have struggled to run as of late, which has made things hard in the passing game for them. Uh, you know, look at Bailey Zappi. You know, he and Hunter Henry have a really good connection. The Broncos struggled last week against the tight end of Sam Laporta. Uh, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster are weapons that those guys have there as well. And I, Denver's just going to have to bring their A game this week. They're going to have to be able to stop the run. Not sure if Ramondre Stevenson is going to play for them this week, but obviously they still have Ezekiel Elliott, who's, you know, he's playing solid so far at this point of his career after having a really good year and a career in Dallas. But uh, this is a tough, tough game on paper here for the Broncos, Jim. And uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea what to expect. What are you hearing about Ramondre Stevenson? What are you hearing about him, Cody? So, I mean, we did a we did a crossover with Mike DeBate. He covers the Patriots for Locked On Patriots. Is telling us that, you know, looking at the New England Patriots, their offensive line is banged up. Obviously, no core strains for the rest of the year. Trent Brown's dealing with injuries. And Ramondre Stevenson's been dealing with a high ankle sprain that's held him out of action for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, last week. And has not practiced so far this week. I think today, seeing what his practice status will be, if he goes to limited from a DMP, that might be a step in the right direction, but uh, not looking so optimistic that he may be ready to go here for Sunday. When you've been out of practice, and I know Sean Payton talked about this, he wanted to see what, what, you know, what, how the guys responded you know, back at practice after the loss to uh, the Lions on Saturday. Do you get the, the feeling this is a, a Denver team that is kind of been able to, to, to wipe away the, the stink of the, the Lions' loss and kind of refocus on the task at hand, which is still a chance here of being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so. And look, the guys, they, you know, they got a lot of good rest. They, they had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off, which is, you know, not, I mean, it's not the normal schedule in which we see from a, you know, week to week basis here. But um, I think for them, just talking to players, they feel well rested because they, and people got to keep in mind, they played three games in a span of 13 days. Like that is a ton of action to have to be able to turn things around that quickly. So um, for me, I, I look at that and, and just talking to guys, they're trying to get their bodies right. They're getting their minds right. And look, this is a tough time of year because now it's a holiday jam on top of having to play right. a game on Christmas Eve. They got to deal with fans, you know, uh, plans with family. You know, some guys, Mike McGlinchey said his family, a lot of his family flew out yesterday, and then the, the folks that are working folks, they're going to fly out on Friday, and they still have to figure out how they're going to accompany all these Christmas plans on top of after prepare for a game. 
I mean, it's just so much. And so Sean Payton gave these guys an extra day of rest, and they came out yesterday and they looked energized and they looked ready to go here. So uh, I think it helps. I think it helps in a big way, Jim. But uh, you know, obviously there's going to be some obstacles along the way, and that's the Patriots coming to town. All right. So uh, we'll have the game this Sunday, pregame at fourth countdown to kickoff, six fifteen from Empower Field a mile high. With the Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Susie Wurgeon, Broncos hosting the Patriots on Christmas Eve here on the Team Sports Network. Before we let you go, we have to ask you, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Oh, gosh. My goodness, you're going to make me set the world on fire. I don't think it is. I don't think it's an actual Christmas movie, even though it's around the time of Christmas. I don't think it's a Christmas movie itself. All right, clean sweep from the uh, front-range media, folks. With, with, <laughs> with, with Cody, Mark Johnson, uh, Brian Roth, and Connor McGahee. So you guys, it's, a hey, clean, it's a clean sweep. Company. It's, it's not. Yes, it's a very distinguished company. It is not a Christmas movie, according to you guys. But our <laughs> our, our our listener diehard will continue to beat that drum that it is a Christmas movie. Hey, Cody, Merry Christmas uh, to you and uh, and uh, your your better half. Uh, we always appreciate you coming on. Of course, we'll talk to you uh, coming up on Thursday. Uh, we'll be off on Tuesday, by the way. All right. Sounds good, gentlemen. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Have a blessed holiday. And as always, go Tigers. All right. Cody York, My Life Sports, Locked on Broncos podcast, joining us in the program this morning. But once again, we will not be here, obviously, Christmas Day and on Tuesday as well. Back with you on Wednesday. Well, you will. I will. And Buckeye will. I, however. You'll be out of town. You'll be back over in Superior, back home for the holidays. Yes. Any big plans with the rest of the friends and clan. We're going to probably do Christmas at the grandparents' house, maybe my aunt's house. Uh, other than that, I'm, I, this is that part of the holiday season where I just go wherever my mother tells me to. You just show up. I show up, say, what do you need me to do? <laughs> do you need me to carry, carry this to the car? Do you need me to, you know, go? Well, I hope you carry some stuff since she did all the Christmas shopping for you. I hope at least you can well, help your m- mother with that. She did the shopping for her. Let's not let's oh, not okay. care ourselves. Okay, I thought it was she helped out. No, no, and- no. She did the shopping for her for the family. It was, you know, it, it was meant to be like, hey, bring something if you want for the family gift exchange. And then it turned into, never mind, I bought everything I else. I just <laughs> bought everything, so never mind. So, <laughs> you know. It's nice your mom made it nice and convenient for everybody. Yes, that sounds like a delightful, delightful human being. Your mother. She is. Yes. All right. 842. Coming up next, we'll have four down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. The sleigh on the roof, the jingle bells, the eight reindeer. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Well, Merry Christmas, one and all. From the Grand Valley to Rifle, Delta to Montrose, this is the Jim Davis Show. I can't help myself. It's all good. I don't know if I've ever asked you, where are you an Elvis? Big Elvis guy. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, growing up, right, listening to the music of my father, this was a staple. I had the... Um, ah, there we go. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Tyler Francis, bringing in. Every time I mention his father. Um, 
I had actually I had the CD of his uh, number one hits, and what I remember this is so weird. I had it had this like very weird kind of unique smell to it. I don't know why it was the weirdest thing, but it was all his like number one hits, and then it had the bonus track remix of uh, Little Less Conversation. So there you go. Yes, I am. I'm 28, but I have the musical taste of someone who is, uh, let's say, older than 28. I respect what he did. Respect the talent. Influential, obviously, in the world of rock. Right. Though others like Little Richard helped to set the stage for, for rock and roll, but, but he certainly played a huge, huge role in in the evolution of rock and roll. I remember as a kid watching the rebroadcast of when CBS used to air his movies on TV. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah. Terrible. They weren't I great. I don't, I, don't, I don't dislike Elvis. Uh, the movie was great. The Boz Lerman film I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, with I came the Butler guy. I can't remember his first name. Austin Butler? Austin Butler. Thank you. It was great as Elvis Presley. I just always... I look at him like I look at Bob Dylan. There are a couple of iconic figures in the music world mm -hmm. that I never really just love their music. Totally got into it. I like certain Elvis songs. And the Ghetto's a great song. Oh, yeah. Suspicious Minds. You know, Dylan's an incredible songwriter. But I've never just been, oh, they're, I have to listen to some Elvis Presley. I've got to listen to some Bob Dylan today. I'm with you on Bob Dylan because I respect the artist, but I, I haven't, I don't have like a favorite Bob Dylan Song. Everybody. I, I just, like I said, respect the ability of both for different different aspects, but just not like, man, I, I really got to listen to these guys. I'm really deep into their catalog and, and that kind of thing. Call me sacrilegious. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm just not uh, as far as those two guys. But anyway, 848, and it's time to get into four down territory. We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis show on the team. All right. Start things out with first down that uh, Florida State. Taking another taking a big step toward leaving the ACC. That Florida State calling an emergency meeting, which is believed to be their first step toward trying to leave the ACC, which is not going to be easy because the grant of rights, the that ties them to the, the ACC, the buyout's pretty pretty pricey, but there's apparently some unhappiness about they've got left of the college football playoffs, that perhaps the ACC should have came to their defense more strongly, and, and then any ACC school that wants to leave the conference would have to challenge the grant of rights I mentioned. Florida State and the other ACC members signed the grant of rights with the league that runs through 2036. Ooh. That's their deal with ESPN that gives the league control uh, over its media rights, including TV revenue and home game broadcasts and all sports. Any school that wants to leave the ACC would have to pay an exit fee three times the league's operating budget or roughly $120 million. So apparently they're looking at the possibility of a private equity of private equity investments to give them cash in the athletic department to negotiate their way out of the ACC. Good luck. Keep your eye on that. 
All right, awful announcement. We've been doing the Offleys, the best, best, worst of in, in sports this year. Yes. They had their biggest and most overblown sports media stories of the year. These are all involved the media. Things like Carissa Thompson with the admission of making up sideline reports. Oh, yeah. All those kind of things. What do you think they thought was the biggest media story of 2023? Uh, Kelsey Brothers, Travis, and uh, Taylor Swift. Pat McAfee joining ESPN. Oh. Oh, you know what? That makes sense because it's media. That makes it's sense. All, it's all media. It's nothing. It's, it's not best sports stories. It's all media sports stories. It felt like the most overblown sports media story was Disney potentially selling ABC, which that has not come to fruition. So far. So far. As far as we know. Right. All right. Third and fourth down. For our friend, the Buckeye boy and colleague, the Ohio State Buckeyes have signed the number one recruit in the U.S. of A. It's a wide receiver. <laughs> it's not a quarterback. So unless and until you have a quarterback to throw to Mr. Jeremiah Smith, the number one player according to 24-7 Sports Composite, Less than until you have a quarterback throw it to him, uh, it's going to be basically Marvin Harrison Jr. all over again, where you have the exceptional talent and no one to throw him to, <laughs> at least not for this year. And, and look, and I don't get Kyle McCord. He's going to Syracuse. Yeah, what's what's um, the deal with that? Okay. All right, and then Whatever. fourth down, we talk a lot about Mad Dog, Chris Mad Dog Russo. On his you-know-what again, this time his uh, dislikes of Christmas. The top five dislikes of, his, uh, of, of Christmas. Number five, his mother's cooking. His 90-year-old mother's cooking. Church starting an hour early. Christmas presents. Who's hanging the lights? And the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Mad Dog? Now, 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 look here, Mad Dog. Mr. I say Mr. This, Mad Dog, look here. I say this with no respect, retire. <laughs> with all no respect, please retire and shut up. Here's the thing, though. We're talking about him. I know. That's all that matters. I know. So we're talking about him. It feeds the machine. All right, I'm going to go uh, see you, Missouri, with a fifth down here. Okay. Watched the final episode of Real Sports last night on HBO. 29 years. Was it a tearjerker? Started in 1995. A little, little, yeah, a little cheery. I, I did think it was funny. They had people from from HBO shows on that were on at the time the show first started and over the course of, you know, of history. Right. Like uh, John Oliver did a, a little video bit. Larry David. Larry David was <laughs> funny. He did the, okay, Bryant. <laughs> Bryant with a T. With a T. Wait, why do you have to have the T? That was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> and um, it was funny because I think this coming season is the final one for Curb. It'll be like 25 years. And he goes, well, I certainly would hope the congratulatory farewell will be reciprocal. <laughs> Bryant with a T. <laughs> That's awesome. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, but they had, um, oh gosh, uh, Edie Falco from The Sopranos. Ooh. And she did a little quick, you know, hey, congratulations on 29 years. It was Really good show. Gonna miss it. Gonna miss the. Now are they? The, the, are they gonna have? Are they gonna bring a new host? Or is done. it? It's done. Done. It's done. Mm. 
which I think for for people that love sports and and even even people that don't love sports, like my my wife likes sports. She's not a diehard. Kenda just does not you know wrap herself up in the world of sports, right? By by any means, but she loved real sports. It was one of her one of her favorite TV shows. Period. And I think she was a she was about as devastated to hear what's going off the air as I was, and because it's just the stories are great. They they do some Murray Carrillo and Soledad O'Brien and then Gumble himself and so many others do do such a great job on that show, uh, covering personalities but covering stories and 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 things that uh, certainly need to be brought to light in the world of sports. But uh, hopefully somebody does that kind of show. I don't know if anybody will. But hopefully they will. We'll see. Yeah. All right. But anyway, last night uh, airing the final edition, or Tuesday night, I should say, the final edition of uh, Real Sports with Brian Gumble. Great, great show. All right. We will take a break. Hour three coming up. You can text or call us. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Make sure you text in on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. 